This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and their support of all of the things we do here at According to Flint. And welcome to episode number 50, and a pretty special one for me. You know, probably one of the more common questions I get asked as I travel around with the PBR is about the Brazilian bull riders and people talking about how many of them there are and how great they ride and a, a lot of questions about that. And I've been wanting to get some insight from a Brazilian rider, and I went to one of the guys that he and I, our careers evolved together. Uh, we were some high points of our careers. Uh, we were each a part of those for each other. Paulo Crimber, who now we see working a lot as, a, as an interpreter, a translator, and now one of the coaches in the new team format of the Arizona Ridge Riders. So happy to welcome a dear friend of mine, Paulo Crimber, with some great insight. And all of that happens after a quick word from our great supporters, Pendleton Whiskey. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to another episode of According to Flint. And just had been informed, episode number 50. And the 50th episode, I looked it up. I Googled it. 50th episode is the Brazilian episode paulo crimber <laughs> I, I, paulo i gotta tell you um we go back and forth here because we have people that we'd like to have on and we've had a real wide variety and man i've wanted to talk about brazilian bull riders the brazilian experience and and it's hard because it, this is an audio thing and the, the language barrier and i finally yeah. went i know a guy paulo can yeah. fill us in so your episode 50 that's a Oh, we'll get you a trophy or a buckle or something. Mm -hmm. I, li I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just so honor, I just so honored to be, you know, part of this show. And, you know, like you say, me and you go back, back a ways in PBR and FR and stuff. Yeah. It's just, just a really honor to be part of your show. When, speaking of that, what, what, when was the first year you came? When did you arrive Nin in the U.S.? 1998. I just won. Bajitos that year or second or something, it was $20,000. And that year took $17,000 to make the world finals. That was back, PBR world finals. That was back in money count, not points. And um, that was my first year. I went to Calgary for one day, um, stuck in the 
just immigration room because I didn't have the American visa or agent kind of messed it up. And we left Brazil for one day in Canada and turned around and flew back to Brazil to get our visa and came back to Columbus and then finals. You flew all the way to Canada and were there a day stuck, flew all the way to Brazil. Yes, sir. I did. Uh, Uh, They didn't allow us to go anywhere from uh, outside this room. We stayed there for me and, uh, Tudo, Emerson, Leonardo was the first two guys to come after Adrian and Rogerio, and I was with him, and we didn't know I'd leak English or anything. I thought the round bales from the plane, I looked around bales, I thought it was bulls. I said, damn, we need to turn this plane around and go back. <laughs> and I just kind of didn't know anything, and, and we just sat there. Have, but, I mean, we have so much fun just to being on that trip and see all the stuff, and the lady – just ask as we rolled it down, friend of ours rolled it down the plane, you know, we won, you know, chicken and beef and beef and all those kind of easy words and stuff. And the fly attendant comes with the card and say, you want chicken or beef? Beef would say both, <laughs> you know, chicken and beef. <laughs> and we got to, it was just a, just a blessing trip. And um, we have to, I just went to Canada, rode my first bull. I actually bumped Adrian out of the short round, got into the 15th, and I want some money there. And then I hop on a plane next day and went back to Brazil and then got my visa and stuff and almost have to kick this travel agent's ass at the airport <laughs> because it was trying to kind of do us wrong. And uh, we came, I came back to Columbus, and I think I played second or third or something like that and went to Vegas. You were you were early on, though, when, when people think of – you know, the Brazilian riders in the PBR is such commonplace now. You know, there's a lot of them. You were early on, though. You know, Adriano came and rodeoed, or went to the NFR. Were you next or, like, in the order of, of good Brazilian riders that came over, you were real early was, in that process, weren't you? I was the third. Uh, Rogerio, remember Rogerio, the big, tall really like sticky guy mm-hmm. uh he rode promised land deuces uh deuces wild uh rampage i think bucked him off but he rode like a yellow jacket he rode a bunch of those big name bulls at the time he was right after adriano and then i was the third one to come what happened to whatever happened to rogerio because i kind of remember Man. him what, what did he just yeah, go home? He he just, go home he just went home and yeah. um find a bride and she was on law school she didn't want to come here with him and she regrets that right now because she didn't <laughs> it didn't work out very good but he's a great guy he just ranching and doing something you know living a life there yeah um i should have said uh also coach paulo crimber you got your arizona ridge riders shirt on as the team stuff gets going um uh, real quick i don't want to spend a lot of time uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I want to talk to you about some other things, but the whole coaching thing, here's here's what I think, and tell me if this is um, kind of how you went about it. There, The selection of the riders for your bull riding team, I see it, there's different traits to look at besides just riding percentage, buckles. This whole feel of the team who will thrive in that you got to kind of sort through the guys that you think are going to thrive in that setting, right? You're right, because you cannot just look into 
like you say, gold buckles and stuff because it's not about individuality anymore. It's about team, and that's a new sport for us. We've never been into a, a team event except the Global Cups or the World Cup. I've been to one of them back in 2007, and then that's just difference. And I, found, I try to find – we try to find – uh, guys, lefties, righties, and, and guys who bound in as a teammates and just going to work as one. Because if everybody work as one, it just comes just like a, a link of the chain. Just put one after another, and that's going to be so strong. And a lot of guys, it doesn't do that. They don't play along with play another guys. They're just so used to uh, to being individual. I think that's the that's probably the most – uh, critical part of them just to select the, the great guys. We came out with a great team. I think, you know, where we were on the draft, we, you know, I think uh, we got one of the strongest team out there. Um, you, you mentioned this in what you just said. Uh, fans, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it as when in, in uh, football in the draft, a lot of times they draft for necessity, not who's the most. The, the big debate is, do you draft for what you need or do you draft for the most talented available? One thing I don't think maybe the lay person, the, the normal fan understands is, and I got this from Brandon Bates told me, you're looking for, you know, he said, I drafted this kid because he's a good right-handed rider and they needed a right-handed rider. You're dealing with uh, both kinds of bulls. So you needed to get guys out of what you needed, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Because if you just go for talents, it's a lot of guys and it's a very few guys who can ride just as good one way or the other way, you know, away from their hand or in their hand. And it's kind of varies. It's either they're really strong in their hand or, or really strong away from their hands. And that's what we try to play with. But, uh, I think that the majority of them, too, a lot of guys got mixed up. It is a big room for young talents, mm-hmm. but it's also younger guys going into big man's field with big bulls, professional bulls, uh, more powerful bulls. It's going to be – it's a little game change. They're not used to quite, quite as much. That's what I think, having a more uh, seasoning, you know, PBR season it riders will come to play, and when the gum the game comes in, um, I already see <clears throat> some guys that we're seeing some results. All of a sudden, these guys are getting to go work out with the team. They're given the resources to get better. They're getting on practice bulls and getting some actual coaching. And I'm seeing certain guys already riding so much better. I think in the big picture whether people like the team format or not, it's going to make guys better in the long run, which brings, no. which brings me to this. Why is there, I don't know if the word stigma or negative is, would be used to describe it. Why haven't guys used the resources of coaches or coaches offered that before? This is re- could be a real benefit here. Oh, well, it's great benefit, uh, Flint, for without a doubt, because I didn't have nobody, majority of them, didn't ever have someone to offer you uh, a training uh, psychologist or nutritionist or whatever that is. And those guys, you're right, they could have searched for that long time ago because I know the colleges offer all that. They have coaches. They could hire a coach like they hire a, for, you know, bull riding coach, like they just hire a training 
coach, but they never did. And I can tell, I can see, I approve with, uh, I'm agreed with uh, what you say there. A lot of guys being part of teams right now, they're starting shine, shining, you know, riding good and getting on their zone and just tank more serious because teams now, they have rules. It's a lot of the good stuff coming with, but they also have the rules and, and uh, the stuff they're going to have to be up for to be on that team. And if they don't follow the rules, they can get dropped or bench. And, and that's not a very good deal for them for that kind of reason. That's going to give a lot of guys just looking straight. Maybe they're having a little trouble to do on their own. We're going to help them just get on the right path and just get going. Accountability. There's accountability to your team. And and I just see, you know, I've gone back and forth on team stuff and I'm kind of learning about it too. But if there's, if there's some positive, even that stuff comes out of it, I think it's teaching guys how to train. I think it's teaching That's discipline it. and that accountability. I don't know. We, right. we could have yeah. used, used that a long time ago, you know, really. So. Yep, we could have because they always – have this mentality i did back i was more accountable with my professional i never went party too much always trying to stay focused on i just battled with injuries a lot but i never really uh you know got out of track so much but a lot of guys just do it because they don't have nobody to to respond for you know they just say well if i don't do if i do this i messed up i just stay home for so long and then come back in and now the, the accountability is going to be changing everything, and it's going to be for the good. Do you think that the Brazilian riders, and now I'll delve into this a little bit. Okay. Do, you, do you think those guys come over here and, and they stick together? There's almost a team feel with them in the first place. Do you think one reason that they thrive and do so well is because they are accountable to each other? Like that's it. I think, that's all they do. I think that's big part of plant. Uh, first, we do not have a second option. We do not have like I have six six grade. I never even finished. You know, I never went over sixth grade, and and I didn't have another shot. And the injury stopped me. I find another way to to get done. And 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 that's how we do. We just make it work. We just always trying to get get it done and and those guys living together they don't have no families we just help each other they're kind of you know already as a team we are a team because we have this small brazilian community we just kind of take care of each other around you know just helping in any way we can and i think that's going to be the biggest reason it is the biggest reason the brazilians do so good because probably <clears throat> One of the most common questions I, I get asked from people and friends, why the, why the hell are those Brazilians so good? Are they just physically better? Or are they, you know, I don't, I, I think years and years and years ago, it was actually Adriano mentioned that to me, said, there's no plan B. Like no. you come for one reason. And I think we, now that you've been in the States for so long, you understand what our culture is. Even me doing this, if this doesn't work out, this little podcast thing or what, or even my clowning career, I know that there's another option. I'll be okay. I live in the U.S. I'll be okay. It, the struggles, there's almost an advantage to having a language barrier and, and all of that because that is all they're focused on. 
Like they, you're right. Uh, you know, and I guess I wanted to have you on here because you have such an insight into what the Brazilian guys go through. First of all, talk a little bit about, you mentioned it with yourself, what you went through and what those guys go through to come over to the States and settle in here that we may not understand the, the okay, adversity. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is tough. Like back when Adriano and I came, I mean, like I told you, I just came to Canada and for one day and flew back to Brazil and I, I didn't know any better. I was just excited for the trip. I just want to take it and <laughs> did. And then, I mean, I could have stayed, lose, miss that Canada because I lost one round already, right? But we didn't care. I just came on and I was happy next week in coming to America. And when I stepped foot in America, I felt that was my home. You know, I felt really, you know, I didn't understand none of them, but I just felt home. And, and, and I tell guys, I just love the, the culture, you know, like the Western looking. And I, I tell my wife I born in the wrong time. I should born on the, you know, where it was no rules. The gun rule was the rules. And the hand to shake means the contract sign and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of just got me so just – fell in love with it. It's just something I told my wife. I never, you know, before I was single, but when I met my wife a couple of years later, I told her I never want to go back to Brazil. And, and to me going into the events when Adriana was not around and I have to do that just to kind of learn, prepare myself for when he retires and go home. Otherwise I would have to go home with him. I just go to a touring pro and ride the bull name, in my hand, in the palm of my hand, and go behind the shoot, showing people, trying to find that bull. When I did find the bull in the intro start, I'll be, I'll probably be in the last section, two hours after I found him, right? And I'll be waiting from that moment. I got out of the arena. I have my boots tight, nip shap up, vest up, and everything, just sweat to put my glove on because I didn't know any better. I didn't know. I just kept my eyes on that bull, and wherever that bull goes, I was just watching just like a dog And because I was so afraid to miss it, right? Mm -hmm. And now those guys, they come here. Sandro Batista, one of the members of our team, he never been here. He's arriving tomorrow. He's going to come in with the P1 visa, and I did everything to him. He didn't have to do nothing. He's going to come in. Paulo Lima's picking him up at the airport. He's going to Springdale, Arkansas. I left him some cash. It's already no trouble. It's just the difference. You see, this one is so hard for those guys now, I think, to learn English because they have so many people, you know, like they use I, – I helped them always did, and, and my wife helped the, the, the women's, like even having birth going into the hospital because their moms might be here, but they want my wife to go with them because they feel comfortable with her knowing she's going to understand what the doctor's going to say and she treats them with kind. That's, that's, that's pretty big, you know, to be not having no blood relationship with the person and she chooses you to be in, a, in her best, probably the most important moment of her life, having a kid, bringing a kid to this world and, and, and have you over their mom. It's, it's really special. And that's what we do. We just make them lives easier and, and and I all I ate a lot of bad food. No bad food, just something I <laughs> I was not used to. Right yeah. <laughs> now I love it because I didn't know any difference when they see uh, when I, they hand me a menu with no pictures on it. I was screwed. 
Uh, but, hey, me uh, too. Most of us are the same way. Hey, I go to restaurants all the time with guys who point to the picture. So yeah, uh, he, it's hey. just crazy. But I, I found out later, Flint, I missed a lot of great deals and a lot of great steakhouse or good restaurants because I see a McDonald's <laughs> next door and I just go to there because I know I was going to order whatever yeah. I want to eat. Um, do you encourage? I, I I like what you say about it. It it you you help those guys. It's a little easier on them than it was on you. But you were immersed in the the language thing, and you had to learn English. Where there are a lot of guys, there's Brazilian guys, and I know they're good guys, they're good dudes, but they don't speak English hardly at all because they're not like you said. They're in that circle. Do you encourage them? Do you tell them go learn English? Because I do, it will it, it, uh, it really helps them with the fan relation, doesn't it? You bet. I mean, I totally tell them to do it, and and one reason: when you move to a, a different country, you have to accept the rules, live by the rules, and first of all, learn to speak their language, mm-hmm. right? Because that's me, and and that's because they did invite us here. We didn't, they have no obligation to try to help us. I mean, they do all the time, but those guys get so good right now, they don't see how special and how good it's going to be for them to learn to communicate and express themselves. Like you say, it's a lot of great guys there, but you don't know. We cannot have a conversation with mm-hmm. You don't know how you, you cannot ask him how your week went this way. You know, what you do for, for 4th of July, you know, whatever. And, and that's something they got so lazy about it because they have me or another guys to translate for them they should do like jose just did jose it's one of the guys who impressed me the most because i learned really quick and 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 so is he but him having me and a lot of people i didn't have nobody right yeah and him having all me and all the help he learned really fast and that shows how much does he want to that's what they need to understand. It's yeah. not just come here and win money and do all this. They need to respect, be respectful enough to learn their language and say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Whatever it is. I think that's really important they for them. See, not just yeah. not just respectful for their sponsorships to talk to you or, or with the report, whatever that is. They say, how are you? How are you, buddy? Hey, buddy. Everybody, every single one of hey, them. Buddy. There, there must be there must be some handbook that when you come from Brazil, you, hey, buddy. Remember, uh, remember uh, Galerme when he came over, yep. and I remember oh. he didn't speak any English, and he had a dog, and the dog's name was Buddy because buddy, he could say, yes. "Hey, buddy." Come here. Yeah, it's just fun. You're right. They yeah. just get so they hear. I mean, Brazilians are quick learners if they want to because the hard life we have and everything we have to go through to make it work. But a lot of those guys just get lazy. That's how it is. Because one thing I say, Flint, on in this country, the only people who, who doesn't make over here, it's lazy people because it's plenty work. It's plenty jobs for whoever wants to work maybe not be what you want to do but it is jobs yeah and 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 i tell them when i see some of them the brazilians too some of them just 
oh, I, I'm going to a hard time. If they're injured, that's a different deal. No, no, get me wrong. That's yeah. a different prospect. They cannot do it. But if they're just there and, and say they're going, you know, they're hurting for money, I call them straight up and say, because you're lazy. You're just sitting on your ass. Just go get yourself a job and go to work. <laughs> and most times I hire them and, yeah. and help, you know, it's just how it is. Hey, I made, I, matter of fact, I made fun of him to his face the other day, Silvano. Yeah. I'm like, Silvano, yeah. you can't keep pretending you don't speak English. Like, we, we joke that <laughs> Silvano Alves made a living out of pretending he didn't speak English. We always said that he, he, he got to avoid media stuff. Oh, uh, like, funny, when I see you at the bar after, the, and we're standing there, you speak great English. I'll tell you who was, yeah. I'll tell you who we used to, not to reminisce, but... Renato was Renato, classic yeah. where you're like, he barely speaks English. And then he'd go talk to a lady and be like, Hey, how you doing? Good. But what? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> uh, I, great, uh, I do remember, I think it was Adriano came to me when you first, you were first starting to do well, by the way, I looked it up. Your career writing percentage was 51%. Does that sound? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really good. Like you're really. It is. Paulo, you were pretty good. Nice work. I was. <laughs> I, I think. I think I was. It's just. Uh, I mean, I know I wasn't. I'm, I mean, every time I nod my head, I did. I give my hundred percent. I never hold anything back, and that's what it means to me. You know, the injury came along, and that's what's kind of got in the way. And that was God have different plans, and I was happy with what I got. got you know, I got done. Yeah. Yes. Well, I remember. Adriano came to me and said, this is Paulo. And you were just standing there smiling. And he said, Paulo's a good dancer. I said, yeah, whatever. He said, no, he's a good dancer. And you broke out your little break dancing right. thing. And I went, oh, so I communicated with you through him. The dancing. To say, you were like the first uh, kind of planned celebration and yep. it was because he came to me and said, so you and I communicated and I said, when you ride, well, and so we always faced each other. Yeah. Remember uh, that? It was. Uh, the very, the very first time I watched it uh, the other day, I was watching some old, you know, 98 rides and, and I, I was shy. I was happy because I stay on and then you jump off your barrel and walk up to me and pointed and kind of did what you just say and, and that from not from that moment on we did it for a while and then I quit it to doing and all the fans start asking and then I went back and I think that was my way before I learned to speak with them that was my way to appreciate them and just say hey thank 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 you guys for coming and enjoying the show enjoying us and coming <laughs> to watch us that was my my way to communicate it was here you you do this right yeah did I did this and then I go back. And, yes, sir. <laughs> it was classic. You you may not know this. Um, okay, you you won. I, I think people forget this. You won the average the event title at the national finals rodeo. What year was that? Yes, sir. I was two thousand four to oh four. Second to the last year. Yep. That I did it. Um, you know, we used to have meetings in my position. I was the barrel man there, and we used to have all kinds of meetings, what we could and couldn't do. Mostly at the NFR in my job, it was what I couldn't do. But okay. they started, <laughs> the bosses, Sean Davis, Benny Butler, those guys, they started to trust me and let me do more than most barrel men at the NFR. And in a meeting, 
I raised my hand. I said, I have a question. I said, Paulo Krimber is here. And through all the PBRs, and I don't know if you know that, they didn't really care because they didn't really like the PBR. (laughs) But I said, we do this thing, and I want to know that if he rides a bull, I want to get out of the barrel and go do it. And they thought, and they said, yep, the fans really love it. That's okay. I got the okay on that, and that was a big deal. Yeah, I remember. That was a big deal. Yeah, that was. I mean, just see people, a lot of people came to me and said, hey, this is the best NFR from a long, long time. We have so much fun seeing you dancing. And, and I, you know, that was just amazing. And then you remember one day I was during the victory lap and the saddle kind of slides to the side <laughs> and the horse start bucking halfway out to the arena. And by the time I got, you know, he got to the out gate, I was kind of got off in the fence and I went back in and did it again. <laughs> that was just, that was just something so amazing. We enjoy it. And yeah. that was probably one of the greatest, best times in my life. I wish I went more times to the NFR. That was a yeah. good experience for me to, to see all that. And that was, that was great. What'd you, how many bulls did you ride that in that 10 days? Uh, I think it was eight, eight bulls, eight, out eight of or seven. Yeah. yeah. I think it was eight out of seven. Yeah. You wear it. I have my, my riding, my riding hand was broken. I broke it. Uh, a month before at the world finals ah. and then they have to kind of one day it was just a lot of people just came in during the day seeing me kind of how big it was and how sore I was they gave me horse like creams to put it on <laughs> and just trying to help me get by and tandy and sports medicine work on every day that was that was yeah. pretty good you wear that nfr buckle sometimes don't you you're <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. you got it on right (laughs) i knew i knew i had seen it i'll tell you i wear and and we ask i did it uh our last episode here was trevor brazil so look you're following trevor brazil and we had him show the buckle he was wearing and it was a custom built real cool but i've really got into that at at the pbr world finals this year on my little stage show i'd have peep on the guys say what buckle are you wearing and why and I kind of go back and forth, and I wear the NFR ones a lot because I think that NFR badge is a real, really signifies that you've been. It's it's the, probably the most recognizable buckle, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And also, it's just the golden looking, you know, old kind of style looking. It just kind of this is what I like the most, and it just looks really cowboy kind of. You know, it means. Yeah. Like you say, it's a recognition. You've done something really great. And, and I have a lot of uh, PBR really great buckles, too. New York City, the very first event at the Mexican Square Garden, I won that. And, and you know, just a lot of uh, just regular season events, the Global Cup event in 2007. I won a bunch of different ones. But this NFR, it's just it, it's something special to it. I just really yeah. liked it. That's my favorite one. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, yeah, there's something. I, I don't know. They, you know, every buckle has a story. And everybody, it's yeah. funny because I asked those those riders at Vegas. And I remember Cody Teal, Derek Kolbaba. They, they, they point out their buckle and then tell, they don't just say, I'm wearing this one. They'd say it. I wouldn't even ask to ask them. They'd just tell the story of why yeah. it meant something to them. And this one, I think you like it. You say that I didn't want to take too much time, but this oh. one is I think I think this is mean the most for me, Flint, because having your riding hand broken 
and you have to write 10 rounds at the NFR and be able to win dealt something I kind of remember kind of showing me and keep me reminding how tough that was because some days I want to cry like that just when I start pulling my rope and and that's just hurting so bad and and I have to deal with that pain and block that off and get the job done and worry about the pain later that was that meant so much to me because and what's a hard one to get, and and I got it, you know, with the riding broken riding hand. That was that was really mean a lot to me. How tough I was, and how much, not just physically, just mental toughness, and and that kind of got a special meaning yeah. to me. I I also and I'll t- I wasn't going to tell you why I remember this, but I also remember that year they used to have a, the Dodge series, and you were the yep. Dodge. You got a truck that year. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went to, that was kind of funny deal. A bareback rider from Brazil came and started rodeoing and he told me, you know, cause I always like to get on a lot of bulls mm-hmm. and, and I was not having that. And every time I tried to, I have to pay $20 and the bull sucks. It's just a bunch of mean <laughs> young bulls. And I said, well, it's just tough. And then I start rodeo. He told me to start buying the PRC card, start rodeoing just locally just to get on more bulls. And I start hitting Every day, every event they have, 500 to whatever, you know, three to 5,000 added I went to. And now want so many. One week I want six of them. And I was lucky to draw the rankest 89 or 88 point bull that event. And then I like to enter to the special sections because they have a $500 bonus or something. <laughs> and I was just all over, you know, and, and I went so much. And and towards the end of them, I won over 50,000 just in Texas. And they say, hey, you got a chance to shot to go to the NFR, NFR. And I thought, you really? I didn't know much about it. But I know that was a dumb try because I just got myself hurt because I was traveling back and forth and not sleeping, not eating. That was bad. But, I mean, and then by the end of the year, I just received this phone call. Hey, you want a truck? I said, what do you mean I want a truck? And the I didn't do it. I didn't bet on anything. I didn't thought, do it. You thought you were back in Brazil. They're giving you trucks <laughs> yeah. and motorcycles. Yeah. I know. Yeah. In Brazil, I want to, you know, a bunch, but not here. And so, no, you want the Dodge Series in Texas, the highest point, you know, point guy here, blah, blah, blah. And they told me to choose one. And I just always want to have a dually with the a double wheel on the back. You know, just kind of big. And they got my name on it, the PRCA logo. That was so, I mean, that was uh, great. And I got a camper off the day. I put a camper on <laughs> Well, I, I was hey, a fishy rodeo guy. Uh, I'll tell you, I got it. Uh, I'll reveal something. Probably pretty confidential. I'm not going to tell you who it was. But I was in uh, a similar meeting with all the bigwigs of the NFR. And they were talking about Dodge Night where they line up in the arena every person that won the Dodge series and won the truck and they enter at one performance. And I'm in a meeting and this person in charge said, well, we ain't introducing that bull rider. He's a PBR guy. They don't introduce our guys. And I went, Whoa, 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 Whoa. You're wrong. Yeah. And (laughs) no kidding. That came up in an NFR meeting. Yeah. I mean, there's no way they did not introduce me uh, for that. I don't uh, think. Well, I thought yeah, there was a night. Hey, it, it came up, and I'm like, "Did that just get said in a me? I'm here. What? Am I, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, yeah. Um, that's just what I wish they just kind of, you know, 
change their mind about it because the sport is so great and we can we respect each other so much and and like how everything I have and everything I've been and what I do here today just the fact I'm here today talking to you I owe to the PBR and I have so much respect for the NFR like you say I wear the NFR buckle I think that got nothing to do you know, I've been to the PBR final so many times and I should have been wearing a PBR book, but it's not that. It's just to me, it's all the same. It's a, it's the whatever is the best two worlds from the sports western and, and that's what we should see, you know, about I agree. I agree. I've said yeah. that a long time. I don't care. A great bull rider is a great bull rider. I think Sage Kimsey is amazing. I think Josh Frost is amazing. I'm named rodeo guys. They just choose they love rodeoing. It's not it's and hey. It's not contestants and riders. It's guys in no. sport coats. Yeah, you know, it's That's the it. and so we're all <laughs> this. Our world is too. Uh, I don't say delicate, but limited and disappearing. The Western lifestyle. We can't. We got to stick with each other. We're all playing That's the it. same game here. We're all yeah wearing the same. We hats. all that wearing the hats and all that. And that at the end of the day, Flint, we do not compete against each other. Like we say, we have to ride our bulls and. Just get it done, and you, I promise you, one day if you need it there, uh, uh, a lot of those guys going to be there for you, and that's how it is. That's the beauty about everything. The rodeo yeah. family, the, the West sport world, it's just so amazing because they probably don't know you and never see you, but if you need it, they're going to be there for you. I remember at the NFR, my guy, guy – Pulling my rope was a, a great bulldogger from they'd Wyoming. Al- they'd was, always go was, oh, back. Oh, that was yeah. just awesome. Dude. That was just, I was so thrilled with that. That was amazing. Who, who was it? Do you remember who it was? Man, I don't remember it his was... name. I just, it was a big white, like Wyoming with the mustache, <laughs> kind of really kind of cowboy looking shit. I, I was just. I forgot his name. That, it that, left I'm, me. I could probably name him in it. Just yeah, left I, me. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I I know his name, but I just cannot remember. Every time I need to, I just forget for some reason. So here's what's here's what I'm gonna here's what's gonna happen right now, uh, right off yeah. camera. Logan, my man, Logan, I'm gonna have him Google 2004 NFR steer wrestlers, and look yeah. at who's from Wyoming. <laughs> I'm gonna see if it was him. he's doing it right now. We're gonna figure it out. Okay, um, okay. It's a um, big. He got a big mustache. A big guy. I know, like I can, really. Yeah. Look at he's yeah. he's looking right now. It can is there any from yeah. Wyoming? There is one. I know who it is too, but I can't. I just cannot. His name. Uh, hold on. Oh, he'll get me. He'll get me. Hey, yeah, for for, for fans' sake watching this and you you know that you and I are in conversation we don't always talk about this because bull riding becomes uh what Stephen Campbell Stephen Campbell no who no Randy something uh no there's a Randy something I think it's Randy something yeah Randy, it is something. oh Randy soon S U H N Randy there was Todd and Randy soon from Wyoming yeah there's one more, big Jason. Uh, oh, Jason. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, I'm in, I'm embarrassing the guy. <laughs> I have so much respect, and I cannot just come up with. Uh, name. I could sorry. probably look at the list. He might. Have yeah. Hey, when I see him, I know him. Just I'll yeah. shake his hand, just like with uh, the respect I have for him to be there for me uh, every night. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I, 
we don't always talk about it because bull riding does become kind of, we don't sit around and talk about bulls and bull riding, you know, in our world. But for fans' sake, tell me a couple or maybe one memorable or a couple through your PBR career, a well-known bull or maybe not so well-known that maybe you think is one of the best rides you ever made or most memorable rides you ever made. Do, do a couple stand out that you can remember. Okay. Uh, one of them, I think the very first one was Jack Daniels Happy Hour. Uh, I was the first guy to ride him in 2001 at the World Finals, last, short round, the last round. Huh. And I went to the side, and he bucked off Adriano, Troy Dunn, Ty Murray, uh, all the big name guys always watch it and I was impressed to be riding, you know, with them and I draw him and he was a grasshopper son, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. He went kind of real long and kind of square and, and, and I was the first man to ride. He was a Freddie Cordell, uh, owner. And, um, I went to the side, and everybody thought I was – I think one of the guys was sitting next to him. I think it was a judge, Donut Owen. And he heard it say, Freddie, say, bye-bye, Paulo. And then I just sat back <laughs> in the middle of him, and it just drove him. And, and he said, hello, Paulo. Yeah, it was just a joke in behind the cheeks yeah. now. But uh, him, Blueberry Wine, was really special to ride him because he was so little, and that little bull has so – big of a heart i mean that bull never quit it just hard as a rock his body just kind of it was really nice hammer big brandle bucked me off four times and i rode him at the world finals before the nfr in 2004 with my broken hand the very next day and i have to change a little bit you know the the, the way to get ride him and worked out it was one of the favors i think those those four bulls there probably, you know. And then at the NFR, Mr. USA, you know, that's one of my round winners. Uh, Black Sabbath, I won around on him too. It was uh, – I can't remember the, the names up the other two. Oh, uh, Big Bad Company Bull, Hammer Time. Uh-huh. Big Black High yeah. Horn Bull I rode at the 10th round at the NFR. Those bulls, you know, they're, they're like the Hammer Time wasn't – Hummer Time was not – ridden for 380 something times and i was able to ride him and he bucked me off once in austin texas and uh that was pretty great that was those bulls that's a lot of them but those probably sticks out a little more i think than every other one i said this earlier with your riding percentage and even myself because i see you a lot now in a different aspect and i think people forget how good you the the bulls you wrote you know yeah Um, I think so too. Cody Lambert say the other day, and it, 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 I think it's true. People see me for the translator now, mm-hmm. and they kind of forget who I was as a bull rider. I sent him this video. <laughs> I'll send it to you in a minute. Just I, that was my son found it, and he sent it to me. I was just coming back from the ranch, and and he sent this text, and I opened him up. It was the Jack Daniels Happy Hour second time because I was the only one. I was the first one to ride him riding him and the only one to ride him twice and they retired him after i rode him the second time huh. i think fred cordell was going to have a heart attack if he uh, <laughs> ride him the third time but you know he bucked really hard the second time and i was 92 and a half i won the round at the eliminator pen both times wasn't and it was a bull 
Lame, uh, I think it was the very first second bull I got on at the World Finals in Las Vegas in 1998. His name was Lawman. And I won the round, the rank 10 round in Las Vegas in 1998. And then uh, I rode him in a show round in, at Mexico Square Garden for the huh. first event ever at Mexico <clears throat> Square Garden. Huh. Yep. You know, you said that people know you as a translator. Did you ever hear... You know, we had a guy on our crew, Big Jake. Remember Jake, the big redhead? Yeah, Big Jake. You Jake bet. Mulberg. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard him imitate you? Have you ever? Uh, uh, oh, oh yeah. yes. I put my hands. Yeah. And he, he does, uh, he used to do, he used to stand beside me and do the translation where he'd just make it up. And yep. he does your yep. little, because you know, I tell people all the time, Paulo Krimber has the greatest accent ever. It's a combination this between a Brazilian <laughs> and a Texan. Because you Texas. learned to speak English in Texas, and Jake could, uh, he just ride him. amazing. Got good, you yeah. know, just thank God that I'm here. He used to do the whole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I think I came to be a mimic because between, among the Brazilians, every one of them imitates me. Luciano, <laughs> Danner. Like even John, my son, and Valderon's boy. I mean, it's everyone. They talk to each other like me. It's just fun. I say, you know what? I think it's just a compliment. I'm different from everybody else. I don't care. I'm just, I got my own style, you do. my own way to talk, and that's me. Uh, well, it's uh, funny. You bring up all those names in it. It makes me, earlier when we were ask, talking about. Ask, ask them. When you see them, ask Luciano to talk like me or Dan. Uh, Dan is going to be you know, yeah, Luciano and Cheyenne, ask him. I will. Because we talk about, you know, we talk about those guys learning English so we can learn their personalities. Because there's guys that I don't think fans, for one, we knew early on Fabiano was funny. For one, he feared, he was scared of everything. Yeah. And then he started to learn English and we went, holy shit, he's really funny. Like he is it really can do fun. so much. And you know who I think, tell me if I'm wrong. You know who I think is sneaky, like funny, sly is Denner, Denner Barbosa. Denner is, he's real quiet and yeah. he, but he picks on everybody. He's just always <laughs> doing stuff and he creates those mimics in sand. Like, you know, like Spider-Man, he picks on Spider-Man picks on a lot. Spider-Man. He, yeah. He, yeah. He gets those big, muscular guys with the tongue or, or or just those bodybuilders that they have to do the picture and put spider-man's head on top of them and put posted on our group message stuff and, and just put his hat on a women's body uh, it's just it's pretty fun and mauricio mauricio learned english fast another one of yep. those guys um anyway yep. i think he's yeah those guys are good you know they have to that's something they need to yeah and it's going to help them a lot um you mentioned your son, John. John is the reigning, uh, the defending champion, national high school rodeo bull riding champion. He won it last year. You're currently, as this airs, you are in Gillette, Wyoming, watching him. He was young. He He's not very big still. Was he just a... Uh, 15. He was a, fr- he was a freshman, freshman. 15 years old. Yes, sir. What, yeah. what does he do as a bull rider, you're his dad, but watching him, when you watch him, what does he do that really is special that you think? What stands out and makes him great? Um, his passion for the bulls and he's able, since he was a baby, 
like just riding sheeps and calves and now it stands out more because he's riding you know those bigger bulls but he makes moves and corrections on bulls he's too young to make those you know it's so natural like just recoveries or adjust adjustments or something he does he amazes me because he shouldn't be doing that just yet it's just like when you watch i can see all that in slow motion and i watch him ride and i can just see the little details correction spurring and aggressive and and knowing focus and knowing what he needs to be in that particular ride. And the other day, he went for last Monday, 4th July, we, I took him to Fort Worth. Uh, he won the – he was the only guy to, to stay on. He won the, the event. But this little bull, Corey Melton's bull, just, just went around in his hand and tried to pull him down inside the well. And any other person probably would have bucked off. Because he was leaning forward, trying to – I can see he was fighting to get out. But then all of a sudden, you know, in the first jump, he just got his arm outside and start leaning his body, putting his weight on opposite. And just to make it, you know, the ride. And all of a sudden, he just stood up and sat like nothing was even happening. And I thought, it's, it's, it's too much for – I mean, too much for a kid, 16-year-old kid to yeah. know. You know, it kind of amazed me. It just – well, His passion for it is—it's amazing. Well, he was completely. Th- th- there's a difference between learning it fresh when you're 15, and every bit of his life he was watching the greatest bull riders in the world. I remember him when he was this big yep. around there, and it just—it it really you just take it all in without really even realizing. That's it. it you know? That's it. Because like everything, when he was a baby, the first car he has was in Las Vegas at the hotel room. He hit his forehead in the table, like a, a glass table in the, in the hotel at Mandalay Bay. And that's a little forehead. And Tandy just stitched him over there, put those fake stitches on him. And that's his first car. And, and he, everything he did was about riding bulls. Like he sat on a dog and pretend he was riding the bull. He sat on the couch and he pretended like in the couch arm and pretend he was riding the bull. And that was his world. And he always been. And he plays football like a, a receiver, a run receiver and linebacker or something yeah, like that. Sure. And he's really good. And they want to start him at the uh, varsity team, jump, you know, bump him up. But he cannot. He don't want to play on Fridays because he wants to bull ride. <laughs> and that's that's his yeah. deal, you know. And say, Daddy, I just that's what I want to do. And I've been trying to get him to college and go to college because I never to have that and I want him to have it. and he'd say daddy I gotta go he just told me the other day and he didn't told it to me neither he told it on uh, to Andre during the interview at Jose Lamy's house after they get on some boots for practicing and he told Jose I mean Andre would say uh, I just want to be the youngest world champion at the PBR in the in the rookie of the year on my 18th, 18th year and, and and he thinks he don't want nothing to get in his way from huh. doing that. You know, it's just it's really interesting how how focused he is and how much he loves. He'd fit good one year at Montana State University at the rodeo team. I mean, I'm just saying, if he needs this, what I say, hey, <laughs> I need I, I might need some help with that plan. I need I need some as much help I can because uh, I really want him to have that because I never have a, a chance to do. I have to work 
when I was seven years old and I just went to sixth grade and I finished sixth grade when I was 18 almost because I was riding in Bajetos when well, I hey, tell Hey, by the way, tell me real quick here. I don't want to keep you all day, but what what is your, I, I most of the guys I kind of ask, I don't think I've ever asked you, what was your upbringing in Brazil? What Were you on a ranch? Were you a city kid? Were you come from nothing? You know, the whole, what was your, yeah. what was your childhood in Brazil? Um, I was, I grew up in a village, you know, like, um, I mean, I'll start working. I was seven years old, uh, until I was 15 years old. I have one pair of jeans to wear and just, just coming from nothing. But, uh, I went to some bad ways. Uh, a guy kind of put me in a bad way for, for a while and the bull riding kind of got me straight back on. This is what I love bull riding so much. And, and I think, any sport when you love it and do it for the love, not for the money. It can change your life and can change everybody. But I never have anything, you know, at all. Huh. And, and bull riding gave me, you know, everything I got and who I am. Injury took some, uh, the majority of them away. But, uh, you know, I'm happy. I got a beautiful family and I'm so thankful for for the PBR and that's what brought me over here and, and still does a bunch of younger guys, talent and stuff. And they're able to change their lives like they did on mine. That sounds like a good way to good, good conversation ender right there. Listen, <laughs> um, I'm going to let you go, but I do want to tell you, and I, I try at the end of these to kind of tell people something. And uh, you and I, I think there's Brazilian riders. There's riders that come and go and I'm friendly with them. And Hey man, and I'll tell people, yeah, he's my friend. He's my, you and I, when I see you, you're one of those guys, I consider you a very good friend and I hope that's okay. Uh, I, uh, there is a history there. I was starting in the PBR. You were starting. We kind of grew up and we danced and did all that stuff. And it meant a lot to me. Uh, I mean, it, it was, uh, I mean, it, it was great. It, it, to me, Flint, it's not just, okay it's an honor to have you know consider you and knowing you consider me as your friend because i do do i i i respect you and i consider you the same way and and you probably one of the it's the greatest and it's not going to be another one like <laughs> you and they can try <laughs> and i'm sorry i'm just telling the truth and it's it's just like we see when i watch you you start from my beginning and at the PRCA, you, you're there every moment, all the special moments of my life, and you're part of them. Every picture I see or every ride I see, you're in it. You're just sharing that moment. And the most special moments in my life, you're part of them. And it's, that means a lot to me. And, and it's a great honor to have you as a friend and, and know you feel the same way for me. Well, thanks for your time, buddy. This has been great. Appreciate it. Anytime, brother. I mean, we can sit here and talk all day. Yeah, we could. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. You have a blessed uh, day, okay? Yep.